Well, I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Well, today I want to expo- expose to you what is really just absolutely a backdoor, sinister Democrat plot to take away our gun rights and particularly attack semi-automatic firearms. And it is being sold in one package, yet what it actually does is pretty outrageous. And I'm going to make sure you understand what's going on because I don't, I haven't seen anybody actually explain or pick up on the bona fide danger that I'm talking about. So what we have is a bill that's been proposed that they always make it sound so wonderful, and it's called the Mass Shooter Prosecution Act of 2022. Well, gee, who wouldn't want to prosecute mass shooters, right? And it's proposed by Reps Moulton, a Democrat from Massachusetts, and Veronica Escobar, a Democrat from Texas. And this Mass Shooter Prosecution Act, uh, on its face, uh, claims that they want to bring terrorism charges against shooters who use what the anti-gunners you know, refer to as assault weapons, which is their made-up term for, for modern sporting rifles and what is generally referred to as semi-automatic firearms. And uh, what they're doing is they're laying out the groundwork here, apparently, to go after what they're referring to as the material support networks. We're going to get into this bill and what it says. And whoever helps these attackers to to carry out these, these vicious assaults. And uh, I would highly recommend... Uh, checking out Ammo Land, where I saw this initial article, and it is an excellent article on this, and it's uh, uh, written by a great gun writer, uh, A.W.R. Hawkins, and the article is uh, House Democrats Push Terrorism Charges for Mass Shooters Using AR-15s. And Yes, that is what it does, but it actually does incredibly more, so much so that it really is designed to take out the industry and the manufacturers. I'm going to show you how they do it. So here's this bill that's being sold as this uh, terrorism for stopping and preventing and prosecuting mass shooters. And if you go to the bill, and you can find it uh, online yourself, and the bill is uh, known as the Mass Shooters Protection Act of 2022. And what it says specifically is they're adding to the definitional in the list of federal laws under the heading of what is terrorism, 
they're adding this new law that is says mass killings using machine guns or covered semi-automatic weapons. And what the law says is whenever whoever kills three or more people in a single incident using a machine gun or a covered semi-automatic weapon in a circumstance described in subsection B shall be imprisoned for 10 for a term of uh, 10 years uh, for life. So uh, this this law makes it a terrorism crime to kill three or more people in a single incident and the covered semi-automatic weapons we're going to deal with as to what they are covering but keep in mind what I just read you is the offense and there's nothing in this offense that says anything about whether one is justified or not in killing three or more people with a semi-automatic covered weapon. So in other words, Kyle Rittenhouse, who killed two people and seriously injured a third person, first of all, if the third person had been killed, then plainly he could be prosecuted as committing an act of terror here. Because it doesn't matter about whether there's justification for the killing. And even if the third party didn't die, there may even be an attempt at terrorism, an attempt, what they call inchoate crime, a crime where it's not complete but almost was, and that's still a crime. So either way, it opens up for this issue of the killing, even though there are certain persons that need killing. In other words, the ones that are trying to kill you, the ones where you're justified in using deadly force. None of that's addressed here. But that doesn't even matter as to the bigger picture that we're talking about. Because what are the circumstances that they're referring to whenever somebody kills three people? Maybe in this circumstances list we'll find something that maybe narrows this down to actual terrorist acts only and having to have that kind of intent. But no, lo and behold, when you look at the circumstances that count, one is if the mail or any facility of interstate foreign commerce was used in the furtherance of the offense, or two, the machine gun or covered semi-automatic weapon used in the commission of the offense was transported in interstate or foreign commerce. So if the firearm crossed state lines, and by the way, not just by the shooter, but if a gun was made in one state and transported to another state, that's invoking the federal jurisdiction on interstate commerce, and that is considered a circumstance if three people are killed with that semi-automatic firearm. Also, if the perpetrator traveled in or caused another to travel in interstate commerce or foreign commerce and further. So if you cross state lines, if this person crossed state lines and there was a killing of three or more people, as Rittenhouse did, he crossed state lines himself, as you may recall. And 
Finally, the offense occurred within a special maritime or territorial jurisdiction of the United States. So none of the circumstance has anything to do with any level of mens rea, any level of intent to commit an evil, wrong act. Because, as I said, the, the killing of three doesn't distinguish between right or wrong killing. It's simply, did you kill three, and did you use a machine gun or a covered semi-automatic weapon? But believe me, folks, it gets even worse. Because what, what are the covered semi-automatic weapons? Well, lo and behold, it's basically the so-called assault weapon ban that they're trying to pass. This is the backdoor way to pass the assault weapon ban, you see, because the term semi-automatic rifle reiterates essentially the same characteristics, the same listing that they're trying to pass as a flat-out ban. And since that may, quote, stall in the Senate, because the Senate is has more people that understand and want to protect the Second Amendment than does the House, well, maybe if we package it in this type of a, of, a, of a sales pitch, and we're fighting terrorism here, maybe we can get this one to slide through, because how could any rational person be against it? Well, what is the covered semi-automatic rifle? Well, it takes a detachable mag, and it doesn't have any one of the following. So if it takes a detachable mag and it has a pistol grip, like just about every AR ever made, or a forward grip, or a folding telescoping or detachable stock, or otherwise foldable or adjustable in a manner that operates to reduce its length, its size, or any other dimension, that makes it, or if it has a grenade launcher, where they throw that in for window dressing, I'm sure, you know, later we're going to all go out grenade launching for fun, but uh, or, or a, a barrel shroud. Remember uh, the famous... Uh, video where they ask the anti-gunner what's a barrel. Oh, it's that thingy that goes up. They don't even know what a barrel shroud is, and they're including it in this. Uh, or a threaded barrel. So any semi-automatic rifle that has a detachable and has any one of those, oh, that's a covered semi-automatic rifle, you see. And if three people are killed with one of those, ah, you're a terrorist. It's terrorism, and you're going to be prosecuted under this for that, whether justified or not. Also, semi-automatic rifles has a fixed magazine that has, holds more than 10 rounds or any combination of parts or components or accessories designed to accelerate the use. So if it has a bump stock, so-called, or any other thing that accelerates the use. I mean, trigger fingers kind of accelerate it, don't they? But whatever, this is all part of it. Then they have semi-automatic shotgun. Now, that is any that has a capacity to use a magazine that's not fixed and has any one of the following, a folding or telescoping or detachable stock, a pistol grip or bird's head grip, a fixed magazine with the capacity to accept more than five rounds or the ability to accept a detachable magazine. So all those semi-auto shotguns uh, are covered by this. Also, if it has a forward grip or a grenade launcher, which I don't know, I've never seen one of them on a shotgun, but hey, what the heck. And then it specifically bans any AK or AR type of weapon, 
including rifle, copy, duplicate, variant, or altered facsimile, and any weapon substantially similar to any other weapon. It's substantially similar. Oh, so that's so clear. Substantially similar. What the hell does that even mean? But it doesn't matter because that will be determined by our wonderful and fair attorney general pursuant to a rule which this non-biased attorney general <laughs> right will make. How nice. And then machine gun just means what machine gun always meant. So there you go. So this is essentially the ban put in place to enforce against so-called mass shooter when three or more people are killed. Now you might say, okay, how is this though a gun ban? Because even though it's bad and it's ridiculous and it doesn't take into account anything about lawful self-defenders, how does this create a ban? Well, we're not done yet because the ban part of it, which goes even further than this law part of it, and this is where they just sneak it in. They have this little line in the bill that says, providing material support, and it's section 2339, capital letter A, parentheses A, of Title 18, U.S. Code is amended by inserting the following, and that insertion of this into the providing material support definition makes this incredibly scary. Because when you go to that section of what is providing material support to terrorists, and now remember, any weapon that is used that's semi-automatic now in that broad strokes we just went over, any of those weapons used to kill three or more people, here's where material support has been provided. Whoever provides material support or resources or conceals or disguises the nature, location, source, or ownership of material support or resources, knowing or intending that they are to be used in preparation or carrying out a violation and of what this new law is part of the laundry list of laws is in violation of this section and may be prosecuted. The term material support or resources means any property, tangible or intangible, and it goes on to say including weapons, including weapons. So what do we have here? We have a situation where if an individual kills three or more people, even justified, with a semi-automatic, quote, weapon that is covered, then the manufacturer and the dealer and anyone in that chain can be prosecuted for providing the material support. Now you may say, oh, well, said so you had to know. You just had to know that they're used in killings. Remember, killing has circumstances of only traveling in interstate transport. It didn't say known to be killing by some crazed maniac that just wants to slaughter innocents. No, nothing about it. It doesn't matter. If three people are killed, even justified, then that's providing material support. And if you supplied, provided the weapons, if you made the weapons, and plenty of other things fall on this as well, but we're just focused only on the gun part. And the gun part is critical, by the way, to this very charge.
Well, you can be criminally charged as well. And that also means that you can be sued. And if you remember the Lawful Protection of Commerce Act, right, PLACA that protects the gun industry from these lawsuits, it doesn't apply if criminal acts are being done by any alleged company. If they're committing criminal acts, they're not lawsuit proof. And this makes the production manufacture of the, quote, weapon that is covered, that's used in the killing of three people that doesn't matter, justified or not, makes that a crime, makes it part of the crime, makes it providing the material support. So this is nothing less than a sneaky backdoor gun ban and to get it through under this guise of prosecuting mass shooters when their real target is you and me and our ability to lawfully possess our semi-automatic firearms. And when we get back, I'll fill you in on some other wonderful things that our government is attempting to do to our rights. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, welcome back to Gun Lawyer. Thank you so much for being a dedicated listener. Make sure you tell your friends and family to subscribe. It's free anywhere you get podcasts. This is our forum so I can get these warnings and thoughts and things out to you so you know what to do to protect yourself as the rest of the corporate media tries to shut us down and not let the word get out. And one of the things I want to warn you about right away, and I've said it in the past, but I'm getting other cases. If you go to gun shows, particularly going to Pennsylvania gun shows from New Jersey, they are being surveilled by New Jersey and this tri-state police force. They're surveilling, specifically surveilling the Polymer 80 
tables that sell those type of f- firearm kits, anything with 80% receivers, etc. They are surveilling them. They follow the person and they do it, I'm sure, both electronically and physically. And if you get in a vehicle that has a plate from out of state, then they follow you and stop you crossing the border or go right to your home and wait for you and pounce. And I'm getting case after case, folks. Beware. They have no problem trying to uh, take down the Second Amendment, our Second Amendment rights. They will surveil you at the gun show. It's going on. This is not black helicopter stuff. I have case after case, and this is for real. Please be warned. This is an aggressive action that is being taken. And even though the Polymer 80 and the 80% and the uh, kits and all that are 100% legal in Pennsylvania and legal under federal law, it doesn't matter. They're illegal in New Jersey, and they are aggressively, aggressively going after people that in any way attempt to bring these things across state lines. Meanwhile, while New Jersey is doing that, they're one of the largest uh, drug dealers in the country unlawfully selling marijuana, contrary to federal law, with no problem, which, again, I don't care about marijuana. It's not my issue. But when it comes to Second Amendment and someone wanting to make a homemade firearm that Americans have been doing since before this country was a country, well, that's a different story. They're out to get you. So please don't become a victim of New Jersey gun laws or New York gun laws by going to an out-of-state gun show and becoming entrapped by this. So beware. Let me also share with you some of my favorite letters that come in, and I love getting the letters from the listeners. I enjoy reading them very much, and I know that they're very helpful to others. So if you want me to talk about any of these things, please don't hesitate. Go to Ask Evan on the website and send me your questions. And here's a good one. This is from Kevin regarding NJ exemptions and business exemptions. Hi, Evan. Love the show. I've been listening since the beginning. Keep up the great work. I hear you talk about New Jersey travel exemptions to place of business. I own a restaurant, but I don't own the building. Some police officers tell me that I cannot travel from the range to work. I have to bring my firearms home first. Also, I cannot carry at work because I don't own the building. Is this true? Thanks for your time. Well, you don't have to own the building. You do need to own the business, and it has to be your place of business. So if you're renting your place of business and you own the place of business, and therefore you are the owner not just a worker or a manager, and as the owner of the business, the rental or not is not what is legally significant. It's if you if you can show your ownership and that is your place of business that you own. And because of that, it is exempt for you to have your firearm at your place of business. It's the exemption that's under NGS 2C 
239-6 subsection E, and that is the place of business exemption. And so that is what is covering you, and it's not a question of owning property. It's a question of owning business. Now, if you're simply a manager, and even though you do everything that an owner might do, that does not make you an owner under current case law. So beware, you need to be an owner to come under, at least under current interpretation of the exemption, the business exemption or place of business. Now I have another letter here, and this is from Joe. And he says, hello, I listen to every one of your podcasts. They're entertaining and educational. Well, thank you, Joe. I try to make it that way. Keep up the good work. I do have a question in regard to the newest concealed carry permits in New Jersey. The rule states that you have to qualify with the weapon that you intend to carry. What happens if I want to carry a weapon different than the one I qualify with? Thanks. Well, let me tell you, there is a lot of evolution and change and uh, new information is coming in all the time on uh, New Jersey's growing pains on carry licensing. But the requirement that you qualify with a certain gun is being enforced in terms of qualification. However, the New Jersey law specifically under the licensing chapter says that one carry permit shall be valid for all of your handguns. So the law says you're not restricted, but they, in order to get the carry, they want you to have the specific qualification on that specific gun, and they're looking to also show that you somehow can show that you are an owner of this firearm, and so this is where your copy of your pistol purchase permit can come in handy to demonstrate that. But there is that very section of the law that says one permit shall be good for it all. Now, we've been seeing and hearing a lot of developments, as, a, as I said, and some of these uh, things are, are disturbing. We're getting some reports now that apparently uh, courts are going to be requiring that every permit be have a hearing in superior court. You see, right now it's a two-tier system where your initial issuing, um, the initial authority that you go to first is your local police or state trooper or state police, as we've talked about in the in, in past episodes. But it always goes then to the issuing authority itself, which is the judge of superior court. Now, this judge uh, can simply approve a permit to carry and a hearing is not necessary. But if there's a denial by the uh, chief or superintendent of state police, then you have a right to appeal it and then get a hearing. And then the case uh, through our firm where we established for due process that if a judge intends to deny you, then you have still a right to a hearing because the statute never said anything about having a right to a hearing uh, prior if you were approved by the superintendent or the chief 
and then the judge was inclined to deny you. But now the word is they're pushing that to something that was not found in the case uh, and in the decision by the New Jersey Supreme Court that we won. And that is that every carry permit application needs to be uh, have a hearing before a judge. Well, that would mean that every carry license is intended to be declined by the judge. And to me, this is insane considering how many carry permit applications all these judges are going to do are gun permit applications. They don't have time for anything else. And it's this is and this is not a judicial function when you get right down to it. This is an executive function. The court should only be involved if there's a dispute, if there is an appeal of a denial. They should not be the ones issuing at all. It should be the issuing authority should be the chief or the superintendent, just like it is for the permit to purchase a handgun and for the firearms ID card. Well, if this insistence is going to take place that every permit requires going to court and having a hearing, first of all, you really should not go there without an attorney. That's first of all. And second, the requirement that's further as put out in the case is that these hearings need to be done in 30 days so there's going to be a requirement then if they're going to insist on doing this that it be done within the time frame then and i don't see how they can do that i mean they're so overwhelmed so backed up especially since uh covid where the dockets are so overloaded and now they want a mandate on, on a gun permit that everybody get has to have a hearing. It's just crazy. Yet this is what we're dealing with, and this is an evolving situation as well, and we'll see if this holds true. We have also encountered um, insistence on the training covering every aspect of that is in the administrative code, even though there's an or there that makes it, you know, any one of these things. But j judges are looking, and even police that are uh, police chiefs and such are saying, oh, no, we won't even accept your application unless you've demonstrated it all. Well, that's not the standard in law. It's just safe handling of the firearm, and this is what we're running into. So there's still a lot of flux out there. The dust still hasn't settled. We're still in a fight, and I'm sure no one's surprised that New Jersey is still only doing this kicking and screaming. But we're going to get it settled out. We're going to get this more standardized. These are the growing pains that we have to deal with. But it doesn't mean you should be discouraged from exercising your rights and applying for the carry permit if you wish. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.